Do you need fun ideas for how to bring some structure and productivity to the upcoming summer days at home with your kids? Do you dread summer breaks because you just don't know what you're supposed to do with these tiny humans all day, every day? Did COVID not give you plenty of practice with that? Well, if you're still looking for some ideas, we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm super excited about today's topic because, uh, well, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I stink at this. (laughs) Unstructured time at home with my people is one of my greatest challenges, right next to cooking for those people. So what made you choose this topic? Well, I just knew that you weren't good at it, so I figured I would get to talk more than you this time. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, next week's episode's on cooking. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. I chose this topic because I think if we surveyed kids ages five all the way up to 18 and asked them which season of the year was their favorite, aside from the holiday season, of course, because, I mean, what kid doesn't love Christmas? I love Christmas. Um, I would imagine that most of them, if not all of them, would say summer. And, you know, really, why wouldn't they? So much of their lives is spent sitting at a desk doing schoolwork. Kids who go to school spend about 40 hours a week there and then still have to come home and do homework. And they do that for, what, nine months? Mm. Actually, I think it's about closer to 10 months out of the year now. Even after you throw in a few breaks for holidays, there's still over like 1,500 hours of sitting at a desk and doing schoolwork. And homeschool kids average about 20 hours a week, about half as much as kids who attend school, but that's still seven or 800 hours a year. Mm. That is a lot of hours. So really, I mean, by the time summer rolls around, I think they've earned a break and they deserve a little downtime. <laughs> We want our kids to enjoy their summer and just get to be kids, because Lord knows once they become adults, summers don't look much different from the rest of the year. So I don't think allowing a little extra time watching TV and a little extra time playing video games is all bad. I mean, let's get real here, too. Keeping them entertained is just as beneficial for us sometimes. (laughs) 
But at the same time, it's certainly not wise to allow too much entertainment and free time and to not balance it with productive activities and responsibility. Because let's face it, kids with little or no structure all summer tend to be whiny, bored, unmotivated, irresponsible, and discontent. And when they have no structure, they tend to spend way too much time on things that aren't very productive, like watching TV and playing video games or surfing social media. We could probably do a whole podcast on why too much of those things aren't healthy Mm -hmm. or beneficial. But let's just suffice it to say it's best for them to have other things to do as well. And I will say that while they may fight us limiting their TV and video games and the time they spend on social media, and they may not like it that we're giving them some responsibilities and, and incorporating some structure into their days, but as they submit to those things, they'll find themselves much happier much more content, and they'll actually appreciate and enjoy those leisure activities and free times a whole lot more. And so will their parents. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Too much of anything is not good for any of us, and that includes idle time spent watching TV and playing video games. We've all heard the phrase, idle hands are the devil's workshop, and actually that is not a verse in the Bible, contrary to what a lot of (laughs) us may think, but there are other verses to back up the truth of it. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 says, the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. Now again, I think some well-deserved downtime doing mindless things is in order for summer. I mean, I enjoy doing some of those things as much as anyone, but balancing their summer with fun activities and responsibilities is really going to benefit the whole family. So we've got three suggestions for parents to consider for helping their kids have fun and have a productive summer. First, we'll start with the not-so-fun part. Consider having set chores for them to do around the house. Kids need to learn to be helping members of the family and not just expect their parents to do everything. Amen. (laughs) Second, consider having some structured fun activities for them to do alone as well as some structured activities maybe for them to do with siblings and friends. And third, we very much encourage you to plan some fun things to do as a family so that their summer is also spent building closeness and unity in your family relationship, as well as building sweet memories that they're going to treasure for the rest of their lives. So I think that's a great thing to do also. So we're just going to throw out a few practical ideas for each of these suggestions. And how about we'll start with the work and end with a fun? How does that sound? That sounds great to me, Ginger. All right, so let's start with chores. Okay, because nobody likes doing chores, but they're not going to get done themselves, are they? I know. (laughs) I'm still waiting for Rosie, you know, that robot made from the Jetsons. I really need her to be a reality. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with all the crazy high-tech stuff, they're creating these days. That's probably right around the corner. I hope you never so. know. I know. Yeah, that would be nice. All right. So as far as chores, I think it's helpful to have a written list of daily chores for kids and to have a set time for those chores to be completed. This way, it's not a power struggle. You guys have heard me talk about the responsibility freedom method that I like to use when my kids were growing up. So I wrote down their list of daily chores and I gave them the freedom to determine 
when they did those chores and how long it took them to do those chores. But there was one stipulation. They had to be finished by noon. So I told both of my kids, if you're responsible and complete your chores by noon, then you have the freedom to watch TV or play your video games or whatever it is you want to do with that free time this afternoon. But if you're not responsible to complete your chores by noon, then you lose that freedom to do those things this afternoon. So there was no begging for them to finish. There was no pleading, no bribing, no threatening. It just was what it was. Also, when mine were uh, too little to read, we created a chore list using photos instead of words, which was really fun. I actually took pictures of them making up their toddler beds or emptying emptying their small trash cans from their bedrooms into the kitchen trash or putting their toys in a toy basket <laughs> um, and even brushing their teeth, just stuff like that. And then we pasted the pictures onto construction paper and hung it in their bedroom so that they could follow the picture list and complete those chores without being to- told is- even when even when they couldn't read. That is so cute. I love that idea. Yeah, I was actually looking for that because I was preparing for this episode and I cannot find it. It was the cutest, sweetest pictures. I know they're somewhere. I've got to find them. Um, But when my kids were older, they had a written list of chores they had to do every day. And, you know, everybody does different chores. We just had really basic chores to help around the house, like emptying the dishwasher, taking out the trash, just those sort of things. And I didn't pay my kids to do chores because I wanted them to view their responsibilities, uh, again, as being helping members of the family instead of them expecting something in return. But now I will say that I did keep another list of um, jobs that they could do that I was willing to pay them for because I was not about giving an allowance. There was no free money in this house. (laughs) I wanted my kids to learn right off the bat the importance of working for their money because I think that this encourages independence and generosity rather than dependence and entitlement. You know, Ginger, I wish I could pinpoint where I heard or read this. It could have been from Dave Ramsey, maybe, but I remember a story of one family who had their children submit a sealed bid to their parents for more time-consuming jobs around the house. So, you know, mom and dad came up with a list of more involved chores, maybe weeding an entire flower bed or something um, with all the necessary details specified and when the job should be completed, what the job entailed, all of that. And the children who were interested would bid on the job. And the winning bid was given the work and the subsequent payment. I think this is a genius way to teach a really strong work ethic. And also, you know, it helps the kids to think realistically about the correlation between their time and money. That's such a great, creative idea. Mm -hmm. I love that. Also, Katie, I remember you saying, you guys, uh, in one of our previous episodes, that you guys had a fun song that you played while everyone was doing their chores. Yes, we love to put on an upbeat song like um, Joyful Noise by Ellie Holcomb. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes, actually, so you can hear it. Music is especially fun if you're working together to finish a particular job and you want everyone to give their focused attention for a really set amount of time. It's amazing how much we can get done in that short period of time. We find that it works really well with young kids who have the attention span of a gnat. Um, (laughs) Here's another tip, though, courtesy of my mother-in-law. My husband actually has really fond memories of doing chores during the summertime. He said his mom would have the three of them, so my husband, his sister, and his mom, do a chore for a set amount of time, and then they would get to play one hand of cards. After that hand, they would do, you know, another set time of chores, 15 minutes or something. 
then mm-hmm. another hand. And so it broke the work up with some fun in between. It made the chores longer. Uh, but I will attest to the fact that my husband is a rock star at housekeeping. And he honestly <laughs> does more around the house than I do. So she did something very right when it comes to yeah, him. That's awesome. I guess so. So your mother-in-law is definitely one of your heroes. Yes, she is. Yeah. And so another idea, of course, is summer jobs. That's always a great experience for older kids if those jobs are available for just the summertime. Absolutely. And that even goes for younger kids, too. My nine-year-old daughter has already decided she wants to start a pet sitting business once we get settled in our new house. We're in the process of moving. Um, And, you know, that's exactly, Ginger, what I was hoping to do as soon as we moved to a new city. (laughs) Helping my nine-year-old start a business (laughs) in all of my spare time. (laughs) Okay. So now that we've got the chores out of the way. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Ginger, tell us some of your ideas for structured activities our kids can do alone or with siblings or friends. Okay. I remember at the beginning of one summer, I had both of my kids pick a new activity that they were interested in learning, something that they had never done before. My son actually saved up his own money from working in our family restaurant and had bought a drum set a few months earlier, (laughs) but he had no idea how to play. So I bought him a couple of instrumental videos that he could play along with and learn. Now, I will say you guys might not want to make the same mistake I made in saying pick any activity or skill that you want to learn this summer. (laughs) You might want to choose your words a little bit more carefully (laughs) Mm -hmm. and say something like pick any quiet activity or skill (laughs) that you might want to work on this summer. And I know I said I ordered him instructional videos. Of course, back then it was VHS tapes. He's 27 (laughs) years old now. But now with the internet, it's super easy to get instructions on pretty much anything you Mm want to learn and do. And a lot of times it's even free. And so my daughter liked to sing, and so she chose to work on singing. So I bought her a couple of instrumental soundtracks that came with uh, books with lyrics And that was fun because after she learned a few songs, she would sell tickets for a show. And then we would all get together on the couch and we would pop popcorn, the whole thing, and watch her perform. And, you know, Katie, now that I think about it, those tickets weren't cheap. I mean, they were actually pretty pricey. Smart girl. Yeah, quite the little businesswoman back then. But I will say they were front row seats, best seats in the house. There you go. That was a great structured activity for her because it was something that she could focus on and work on while she was alone. But then it also transitioned to a fun time for the whole family to get together and watch her shows. It's also fun for siblings to work together to put on a play. Uh, Now, Wesley, my son, he wasn't much about performing. He would always, you know, turn beet red anytime that Alex would try to drag him into performing one of her plays. So that's actually (laughs) one thing that Alex liked doing with her friends when they came over. You know, Alex and I have a lot in common, Ginger. I used to create obstacle courses in my bedroom that my parents would have to participate in, and I was like the game show host. So at the time, I don't think I realized what a huge gesture of kindness it was for them to show up and enthusiastically participate. (laughs) Now that I have kids and my own list of a million things I want to accomplish, it really is a sacrifice for them to drop everything and spend 30 minutes playing games that an eight-year-old invented. I mean, it's just a huge (laughs) sacrifice. But those are absolutely some of the sweetest childhood memories I have. I also have a few great ideas for younger kids, but before we get to those, uh, Ginger, I think it's important to talk about screen time. I know you mentioned that Mm -hmm. at the top of the show, but it seems appropriate to address it a little bit more in depth because of the prevalence of screens in our kids' daily lives. Mm -hmm. This wasn't as big a problem when your kids were coming along. It definitely has changed a lot. more recently, especially. Um, I bet the temptation during summertime is 
to allow our kids to indulge more than they would be able to during the school year because the days are just long and the heat, at least in our part of the country, in Georgia, Ginger, you're in Alabama. I mean, it makes it just Mm -hmm. miserable to Mm -hmm. be outside during certain hours of the day. Yep. But I doubt seriously that I would have created those obstacle courses and I doubt, Ginger, that Alex would have put on her plays if either of us had been raised with a device in our hands. Mm, That's for sure. Too much time on devices definitely takes away from other activities that are just as fun and entertaining and really even more so mm-hmm. because activities that are productive are more satisfying because they give us a sense of accomplishment. Having something to show for our accomplishments, well, that's a rewarding thing. Absolutely, Ginger. And, you know, there is a huge difference between the instant gratification that technology provides and the lasting reward that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, as parents, we can no longer say that we're ignorant to the psychological and physiological dangers of frequent technology use. I mean, there are so many studies out there that tell us about this, but sadly, most of our children and us have actually increased our screen time. And so why is that? I mean, would we allow our children to spend all summer eating candy? Of course not. But allowing them to spend every day consuming large quantities of digital candy, so to speak, is just as harmful, if not more so. So I first read this term digital candy in a book called Screen Kids by Gary Chapman and Arlene Pelican. Um, I want to read one section of it to you because it really helped me put the idea of my kids' free time in perspective. When your child has free time, what's their default activity? For the average family, free time equals screen time. Turning automatically to screens is going to become a habit for the rest of your child's life. Screen time that is not purposeful tends to be a waste of time and a negative influence. Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, Outliers, that 10,000 hours is the magic number of greatness. When you have practiced something for 10,000 hours, you get really good at it. What do you want your kids to get good at? Gaming and social media probably don't make the list. Yet, if your children spend an average of three hours a day playing video games and using social media beginning at age nine, they will rack up the magic number of 10,000 hours by age 18. For context, it takes about 4,800 hours to earn a bachelor's degree. And that's the end of the quote. And that's just if you calculate three hours a day on devices. But the CDC reported recently that the average 8 to 10-year-old spends around six hours per day in front of a screen. Kids 11 to 14, listen to this, spend around nine hours per day. And kids ages 15 to 18 spend an average of seven and a half hours per day in front of a screen. That is a full-time job. For these kids. Wow. And yes, it is. That just, that just really puts it into perspective. Well, and so here's the question the authors ask that just helped me to consider the purpose of screen time in our household. Is technology bringing your family closer together or is it driving it further apart? And I think that's a super helpful question to ask mm-hmm. ourselves as we allow our kids to have screen time this summer. I'm not saying no screen time, um, but one of my favorite ways my kids use technology to spend time together is when they make movies using an iTouch. So we give them access to the camera app as well as iMovie, and they spend hours together writing, directing, acting, and editing movies. And then we gather, like you said, Ginger, as a family to watch what they created. Love it. it. It's important to me that our kids use technology to serve them rather than the other way around. I don't want them to become slaves to their devices. Second Peter 2.19 says, For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him, 
And I think it's pretty safe to say as a culture, we are raising a generation of children who are truly slaves to their devices. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. Now, clearly, I'm not anti-technology. You know, this podcast will attest to that. And I really don't think that's even practical, uh, given our current society and our inability to shield our children from it forever. However, I think it's really important for us to for us to teach them from a very young age that mindless consumption of technology leads to slavery. In fact, it is designed that way. Mm -hmm. So believe me, I've been tempted and have even caved more times than I'd care to admit to the temptation to hand my kids a screen in order to give them, sorry, in order to give myself a moment of peace and really to give them peace because they're not fighting when they're all tuned out in front of the television. Mm -hmm. But this decision is not without consequences when it becomes a habit. And that can happen so much more quickly than we realize. So I've been reading more and more books about technology and how it affects my own mind because I've been convicted by that in my own life. 
but I've also been convicted about, you know, how I'm affecting the minds of my children. So I'm going to put some suggestions in the show notes, but my two favorite books so far are the book that I just mentioned, Screen Kids, and there's also one called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You by Tony Ranke. Ooh, that one hurt. That one really, really hurt. Um, But I'm going to step down off my soapbox now, Ginger, but I really do think we would all benefit from a deep dive into technology and parenting at a later date. Um, Y'all let us know, listeners, Mm -hmm. if that sounds like something you'd be interested to hear. Yeah, definitely email and let us know. I think that would be a great episode. Well, I actually had one video game that I was going to recommend, but forget it. You just completely ruined it. (laughs) Yeah, Ginger's been playing Candy Crush the whole time I was talking just now. (laughs) Good thing we're not doing a video podcast, Ginger. (laughs) Well, you know, Katie, you do get long-winded sometimes. Yeah, we go. I I know. Attention span. (laughs) No, really, that was a great soapbox, and it's one that we all need to hear, Mm. including me. So aside from the video game recommendation that I was going to make, but I'm just going to skip over at this point, (laughs) I do have one more suggestion that I'm really excited to tell you about. Probably a lot of folks have heard about these, but for those who haven't, both of my kids loved the Draw Right Now books by Marie... Hablitzel and Kim Stitzer. Those are hard those, names to pronounce. <laughs> I know. I stumbled a little bit on those. Marie Hablitzel and Kim Stitzer. Those were among their favorite activity books. I mean, my kids spent hours and hours in those books, which made them among my favorite books too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been around since my kids were really little. And so they've definitely stood the test of time. Each book has a different theme, like on the farm, the United States, Native Americans, the Pilgrims, the Polar Regions, Animals of the World. They have some really cool themes. And then each book has beautiful but very simple childlike drawings and crayon color. And they break down each illustration with really simple, easy to follow step-by-step instructions so that the child is able to draw and color the exact same picture. My kids loved it. I mean, seriously, they spent years enjoying those books. And the illustrations that they were able to draw in color on their own by following those simple steps were so beautiful and colorful and fun that we actually wound up framing a lot of their work. And that's what we used to decorate the walls in our schoolroom. Mm. So our schoolroom was just super cute with all of their pictures and stuff that they had drawn and colored with crayons. And so I, I cannot recommend these books enough. I mean, they were just so awesome. So we'll put a link to these books in our show notes, and I really encourage you to check them out. Money very well spent for summer activities that your kids will really enjoy doing on their own. Oh, and they also have short handwriting sections, which are really neat, that relate to the themes. So because these books are just so much fun and would provide kids with hours of productive and educational entertainment this summer. I'm doing an Instagram giveaway on the box set with all eight volumes. So follow me on Instagram at ginger.hubbard, like the post about the giveaway, and tag a friend. That's all you have to do to enter. And of course, the more friends you tag, the more chances you have to win. Ginger, you saying that actually made me think of something I'm going to have Heather put in our show notes, and it's a frame that you can open and take artwork out and put artwork in. As you're talking about framing all of this, we have those yeah. in our classroom, and it just, when I put a piece of their artwork in that frame, it just, it, their eyes light up. They get so excited mm-hmm. when they see their artwork framed that way. So I'm going to have mm-hmm. Heather put a link yeah. to those frames in the show notes as well. But again, Definitely. to be a part of that giveaway, um, follow Ginger on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Okay, so another fun and productive activity that was that will also serve them well as adults is learning to cook. 
Obviously, this is going to require some supervision at first, (laughs) but cooking is a great way for kids to learn how to follow instructions, and then the whole family gets to enjoy whatever dish they prepare. Well, actually, now that I think about it, when they're first learning, there may be a few that you actually don't enjoy. (laughs) My son, Wesley, has always loved to cook since a very young age. While Alex was watching VeggieTales and Blue's Clues, little five-year-old Wes was watching Iron Chef and Emerald. That's awesome. So uh, he loved it. So cooking, that was just always a natural interest of his. And that's actually what he's doing for a living now. Mm. He's one of the chefs in one of those high-end, fancy, schmancy restaurants uh, where we can't afford to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And he is really an amazing and super creative cook. Everything he makes is just out of this world delicious, and his presentations are really among the best I've ever seen, which was great for us because all of his cooking talent served us well as he was growing up, especially as he got older and could even drive. He loved to try uh, new things to cook, and so we actually struck up a deal with him. We would pay for all of the groceries. We just gave him one of our credit cards, and he was allowed to go buy any ingredients for any dish that he wanted to try. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was a win-win situation for the whole family. He got to experiment with all sorts of foods and ingredients that he couldn't afford to buy. And we got to enjoy having a personal grocery shopper and chef. And so you just can't beat that. I I miss those days, but uh, we still actually strike up that same deal pretty much every time he comes home for a visit. So it's all good. (laughs) I do have to tell this one story about Wesley and his friend Wit, though. They were about 12 years old. And after they watched The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, they were obsessed with making Turkish delight. (laughs) Do you remember that, Katie? Turkish delight? That's what the witch tempted Edmund with in Narnia. And so they found a recipe and made it. And it was awful. (laughs) I have no idea what Turkish Delight even is, but that was the nastiest mess I've ever seen or tasted in my life. I mean, it was this slimy green jello-y stuff. And I actually wasn't home when they were trying to make it, but I totally knew they were in trouble when they called me saying that they couldn't find one of the ingredients in the kitchen. They said, we found the cornstarch and we found the powdered sugar, but we can't find the yield. And I said, (laughs) The yield, and they said, "Yeah, the yield." At the bottom, it says "yield four servings." Oh, I love it! <laughs> that is so cute. They will never live that down. I it was so funny. It. I actually texted both of them last week because I couldn't remember how old they were, and I said, "I'm going to tell that story about you guys trying to cook that nasty Turkish delight." And I said, "How old were you guys?" I said, "Wes." I texted Wit second. I said, "Wesley said he thought you guys were about 12. And Witt said, just go with 12. Anything else would be really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Anything older. (laughs) So we'll just go with 12. I think they were about 12. Oh, that's so funny. Ginger, when we lived in England for a while, um, actually two of our kids were born in England because my husband was in the Air Force. And I just had to try Turkish Delight because I'd heard of it from the books. Um, You know, I wasn't a huge fan. It just had kind of a weird... It was a weird texture, weird taste. Mm -hmm. Um, Though I can appreciate, though, that it's one of those things that you love if you've grown up enjoying it. Um, but I think we would have struggled, you know, to get our British friends excited about spray cheese. You know, every <laughs> culture has its own spray cheese, I guess you could say. So I'm going to have t-shirts made that say that. <laughs> every culture has its own spray cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you would have a shirt made about that. I know. <laughs> That's just the way your mind works. Never a dull moment. I know. I know. All right. So anyway, all that to say that cooking is another one of those activities that can 
be fun and productive. And there are some really great cookbooks uh, for kids with very simple, easy recipes to follow. So we'll link to some of some of our favorite ones in our show notes. Okay, let's get to the third and final idea for a productive and fun summer, and that is planning family activities together. Okay. Well, obviously, games are a great way to interact as a family, but, you know, I'm just not a big game person. I'm not either, Ginger, and my kids love to play games with me. So I actually told our oldest son a few weeks ago, I just said, it is not my role to be your playmate. You know, I'm your mom. And he said, you're not my playmate? Like, I mean, he was heartbroken. Oh, I know. So I caved and let him beat me at cards again. <laughs> lose all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we played games every now and then, um, but we really didn't a whole lot. Mm. One thing our family loves doing together is outside movie nights. We have a really neat covered back porch with string lights and cozy furniture, and we've mm. just made it a super fun place to be. And we used to just set up a TV on a fold-out table for our movie nights out there, but it's become such a regular thing for us that we now have wound up um, actually having a TV mounted on the back porch. Mm. My friend Heidi St. John and her family have outside movie nights using a projector, which is really cool. They just set up lawn chairs and they project the movie on the side of their house. And then I have another friend um, that projects on their chimney, and they actually invite neighbors and friends to come join them for movie nights under the stars. And they said it's just so much fun to invite all the neighbors and get to do that. I know I love that. Another thing we enjoyed doing when my kids were growing up was backyard campfires. I'd pack up stuff for hot dogs and we would roast weenies over the fire. And of course, have roasted marshmallows. I know a lot of people like s'mores, but we just went with the simple roasted marshmallows Mm -hmm. for dessert. And we have such wonderful memories of sitting around the campfire for hours talking and laughing. And, you know, you could even involve your kids more in the prep and have them pick out recipes for the campfire cooking and then let them be in charge of gathering up all the items needed for the meal. There's a a cute little cookbook called Cooking on a Stick that has easy campfire recipes for kids. Now, we back then used actual sticks from the woods that we would just carve the ends into little points so that we could stick the weenies and the marshmallows on there. But now they make these really cool, kid-safe, extendable roasting sticks, which I'm sure, you know, are a lot safer. That sounds more my speed, to be honest with you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because the sticks would even catch on fire sometimes if you have that mess going on. So it's, it's advanced. So I will link. We have we have the real deal now. We've got mm. some of those fancy roasting sticks, and they're not that expensive at all. So I'll link to the campfire cookbook and the roasting sticks, um, the ones that we actually have in the show notes. That'd be great. Well, one of my favorite podcasters besides Ginger is Sarah McKenzie with the Read Aloud Revival, and she had a really fun idea called Just Because We Can Days. And so she made a list of fun activities. Some of them are really simple, like donuts for lunch. Ginger, that sounds like something your parents would have done with your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally, my parents. We'll put a link in the show notes to Sarah's post with her ideas. But what I did was have my kids all give me ideas for what they would love to do on a Just Because We Can day. And I was actually surprised by how simple their requests were. So they wanted to do things like play a card game or beat me at a card game, Uh, (laughs) go for a walk with mom. And when that one happened, it was like a six-mile walk that my daughter wanted to take with me. So be careful letting your kids choose. Uh, Or my youngest always wanted to have snuggle time. And that just owns me when he says that. But the idea is to surprise the kids every now and then with a just because we can day. And it just helps break up the summer monotony. Okay, one last idea and I'll be done. 
Uh, we get together every summer with my friend Heather, who helps us behind the scenes on this podcast. You probably heard us talk about her a little bit today. Yeah, yeah. Let me interrupt real quick. Mm-hmm. And let's just do a quick shout out to Heather Hunter yes. because she is awesome. She is. And while we're at it, because Katie, I don't think we've ever mentioned our behind the scenes podcast mm. team. So let's just do that now. A huge thank you to Heather and also to Al and Jake Rowland. Mm-hmm. They all put, you guys have no idea how much work they put into this podcast mm-hmm. and helping make this podcast happen. And we we really could not do it without them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Heather, Al and Jake. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry to interrupt there, Katie. No, I'm glad you did interrupt because we're incredibly grateful for our podcast team and we like Ginger said, we could not do it without them. We'd both mm-hmm. be, you know, totally stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, Heather's family and my family do Christmas in July. So we've done this for the past several years, and it's always a huge hit with our kids. We usually spend a few days in preparation and then two or three days with our friends just doing Christmassy things. So we actually get into the attic and pull out a tiny tree and whatever just simple decorations we can dig out from the attic. And we watch a Christmas movie. We do a craft of some sort. Usually it's a keepsake Christmas ornament and we bake cookies. And it always seems to fall right around the time when it's just so stinking hot in the South that we want to be in the air conditioning all day. So it's the perfect midsummer break for us. And I just know those are some of my kids' favorite summer memories. I'm sure. What a fun idea for kids to look forward to every summer. And I'm sure you and Heather have just as much fun as they do. Well, Ginger, you've certainly given me some great ideas for how to keep my people from climbing the walls this summer, um, or at least they'll hopefully (laughs) spend a bit less time climbing the walls. Uh, And as we do every week on our podcast, can you leave us with a final word of encouragement? Sure. But before I do that, Katie, I just want to say that I'd love to meet some of our listeners Mm. in or near Bourbonnet, Illinois, or Denver, Colorado in person. I'll be speaking at the Illinois Christian Home Educators Conference June 3rd through June 5th, and then I'll be at the Rocky Mountain Homeschool Conference in Denver from June 17th through 19th. So again, uh, you guys, I would love to meet you in person at one of these events, and you can check out details uh, by going to my schedule at gingerhubbard.com. All right, so that final word of encouragement We hope this episode has gotten you excited about gearing up for the summer and giving you some helpful ideas for bringing a good balance of fun and productivity to your kids' days. We encourage you to be intentional about planning some simple adventures to enjoy together as a family because so often it's the simplest things in life that mean the most. And it's those sweet memories of family togetherness that our kids are going to treasure for the rest of their lives. Thank you, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, if you do, we invite you to submit it at genderhubbard.com slash askgender, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to everything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. And don't forget about the fun summer giveaway that Ginger is doing of the Draw Right Now books on Instagram. So you can go follow her at ginger.hubbard. 
Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shaparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shaparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shaparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shaparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.